Um, well, brother introduced me well, Christian Santos, and um, I have the privilege to come this morning to this beautiful congregation. And I always love to meet new Christians and see new faces. I was talking with Zach some days ago, Zach, my, my friend, <laughs> uh, some days ago that um, while we go to conferences, and not necessarily to, hey, we are going to listen the same kind of theme we listened the past year, but I want to meet new brothers. And sometimes that is, is necessary also for us to encourage each other to meet new brothers. And this morning, um, I picked this text, and you might think, well, I'm going to teach to pastors if you desire to be an elder, but I'm going to take a twist to that uh, text um, because what I really want to, to talk this morning to preach about is about fathers being the pastors of their household. And um, I hope you might see in this portion of the scriptures that it's not just a standard for pastors. That we can see here that a pastor is, is put in a high standard. It's kind of a, you read this text and we see, oh, this is kind of difficult. Um, not many people can fulfill this. And it's true. But this should be our goal. This should be what we aim to. Every Christian is called to fulfill this. Let's read. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Well, there are obvious exceptions here that we are going to talk about later. These aspirations are aspirations for not just uh, the ones that want to be a pastor, but also the aspirations, like I said before, every Christian to attain maturity. We want all to be mature Christians, right? Right? That is our goal. That is, we want to please our Lord. But sometimes we have this attitude of, you know, this text is a little bit too difficult. I would just let to my, my elders to fulfill that, this part, you know. But if we read this text consciously, we are going to find that there is no room for us normal attendees to escape this call as well. And we are going to see that in a family, you have a family, your husband, your wife, you are to complete or fulfill this call as well. We are going to see this. 
I know there are so many different versions of the Bible in English, and that is a blessing, and also presents some difficulties too. I brought this morning a, my legacy standard, so it's going to be a little bit different than yours, if, uh, but we are going to see that we are going to get some benefits as well to have different versions. He said, it is trustworthy saying, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. <clears throat> you know, um, I have the privilege to go to several countries working uh, with Harcry and seeing so many pastors in, in many needs in difficult places, um, places that we cannot imagine the needs they have. The fact that here in America we have so much commodities, the fact that we have an, a bathroom inside of our houses, it is a commodity. Not many places have that. But for them, it's difficult to, to access to a good translation of the Scriptures, a good concordance, a good manual. So it is important for people to go to them and expose the Scriptures but in this process, you find brothers that are already working as pastors. And they don't know much about the scriptures. But they are faithful, they are really believers. And they do from the bottom of their hearts. And they do the best they can. But same thing happens with fathers in a household. You know, um, then you realize that you're married and have kids. <laughs> well, it's not, that doesn't happen that, you know, that fast. But you understand that. But you realize, oh, I have kids. I, the time passed, I have four girls. No, I'm... Definitely blessed with four girls. And um, <clears throat> this is becoming like a, a shock of reality. And then we have this, I don't know how to teach the, the scriptures to my, to my children. And I leave that to the you know, to the pastor of my church, to the Sunday school. And we know, and you know, that that is our responsibility. We are called to be pastors, elders to our children. And it says, he desires a good work. As I was saying, these pastors already are working as pastors. But they don't really know what that means. 
we can find ourselves in that position that we don't know what it means to be a father. Sadly, we live in a society that fathers are not really the important uh, in a household anymore. There are so many homes that fathers are absent. And it's more and more and more and more the norm. Now society is redefining what a family is, right? And we see the struggle because they are attacking the society, this, uh, let's put it this way, the system is attacking the very foundations of what the Lord had entrusted to us and is the family. But before going further, um, do you really believe that the Bible teach, teaches that the father is the pastor of his family? Or I'm just making this up? Do you, do you really believe this? I hope you are like good brothers, uh, Bereans, right? That search the scriptures to see if I'm just talking nonsense or, you know, you know the scriptures, right? So, but for you to see that I'm not lying or something like that, let's go check some um, text. I want you to to go and um, look for Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and through 9. And it's a very well-known text. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I command in you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall speak to, of them when you sit in your houses and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you raise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as phylacteries between your eyes or your love between your eyes or in the forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This was evidently Israel. And we see a direct command from God to the fathers that we need to teach this to our kids. What? At this point, what was that we needed to teach? To our kids. Somebody say that? The law. Right? Psalm 1, 
Remember Psalm 1. Day and night he made it, he delights in his law. So the law of the Lord, and also a little bit of history, right? How the Lord did mighty things taking Israel from captivity, from Egypt. All those things, reminding them, because we have a tendency, right? What is our tendency? Forgive. We are so forgetful. We need to remind ourselves and more to our kids. They didn't see. They didn't see the column of fire. They didn't see the cloud. They needed to believe what their parents were telling them. And this is very important. How many of you have seen Christ? good (laughs) I didn't expect other things right we believe not because we see but because God gave us faith by faith we walk so we need to teach this a mystery certainly for our kids what is this? What is this God? Tell me about this God that we, we pray, this God we read in His Scriptures. I don't understand. Father, you need to be able to open the Scriptures and answer those questions to your kids. Let's go another text. And this one I liked. Let's go to Joel chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3. The word of Yahweh that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, Hear this, O elders, and give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? Recount about it to your sons. And let your sons recount about, about it to their sons. And their sons to the next generation. I have a question. This commandment was entrusted to the government. To the federal government. To a country, Israel? No. It was entrusted to the elders of Israel. <laughs> and those elders were the, fa- the fathers. He says, teach these things to your sons. And when I say, when the Bible says sons, they're including daughters too. But you can see clearly that there is this idea of transmission of information to, from the father to their son. 
Father, Son, transmission. So we can establish then that there is this principle of the Father as the pastor, as the priest of his family. Right? I hope you don't have um, much doubts about this principle in the scriptures. We can see another text. I can give you, I can name some other texts. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6. We can just go on that one and, and, and check one more time. Verse 6. If somebody had it, please might read it out loud. I remember this text my mom was always telling me. One of the things that I appreciate a lot about them, my parents, I grew up in a Christian home. Um... You know, you have a lot of things that to criticize about your parents. Oh, my parents didn't give me this. They didn't allow me to go to parties and this and that. And you grow, grow and you became a teenager and you have like certain displeased about your parents. But I would never forget that every time that I woke up early and I have the misfortune of getting into their room they were praying and I say misfortune because I was not a believer at that time and I thought oh no they are praying now I need to pray so they come they tell me Christian come in pray with us and I would say oh no I don't want to pray but now that I'm just flashing back those memories, I say, praise the Lord, because those are dear in my heart of what uh, real Christians are all about. They were not fake. I hope you and your house are like that as well, that you are not fake to your children, that that authority comes from people that follow what the Scripture says. And this is, not, this is not just important for your kids. This is important for your own salvation. Not that we didn't attain it already. But it's speaking to us. Salvation is every day, right? We walk by faith. So, please, please, remember this text. Train up a child according to his way. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I was rebellious. I was thinking that I was a Christian for most time, a big period of my life. But uh, 
I can see these words being a truth in me through the pray, prayers of my parents and the faithful teaching. They certainly, they have not all the answers that I was looking for, but they taught me the basics. They taught me the important things. Let's continue with our text. Let's go back to First Timothy. And I know we read the, the entire chapter. It's not my intention to, to talk about the, the entire chapter. I know you probably might thinking, oh, this is going to take uh, the whole day. No, I'm promised. I promise you no, no, it's not going to take the whole day. <laughs> um, but there are important things here, very important parallels. This text is not talking about directly to parents. But as, but as we established, there are some similarities, right? There are some couple things that are different, obviously. When an elder does not meet the standards, he needs to step down. He's not qualified. So this is very difficult. But guess what? As parents, we cannot step down. So what we need to do? What we need to do? We need to humble ourselves before our families. Correct our ways. Ask for forgiveness. Verse 2. An overseer then must be above reproach. When we think about reproach, we think, oh, now I'm far away from it. Right? Above reproach is that nobody can say anything about me. Nobody can bring any reproach against me. But in reality, this is not what above reproach means. I'm going to give you an example. Let's imagine that uh, I just talk in a, in a way that I shouldn't to my wife or to my children. And, and I noticed they got like, oh, I think I raised my voice a little too much. They noticed that. And you see their, in their souls, their, their faces are a little bit intimidated because I, I did something that it was hard or harsh. So, I recognize my sin. 
I come to them and I ask for forgiveness. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't act in that way. Please forgive me. And normally what happens is that your spouse is going to come. I'm sorry too because I, we were arguing. And, and thankfully things turns well. I hope. This is very important because above reproach is not that you are perfect, but being above reproach is when that you don't have any sins that are not forgiven. That you don't have, you are not holding sins against your family. That you are sensitive to that. So when somebody of your family or, you know, that uncle that wants to bring bad bad things about you or your brother-in-law, whatever, I'm just making that up. But who wants to bring accusations against you, you are a bad father You're a a bad wife. No, they cannot bring anything because you brought it in repentance. You came, said, I did wrong. So it's more an idea of accountability above reproach. So that person wants to bring something. He... He was harsh to me the other time. Oh, but I cannot accuse him of that because he really repented in front of me. Even with tears in his eyes. When we repent, we do it like just to to get away with the problem or to really solve the problem. That is very important. The people that know you, the people that see you every day, know you the most. That is very important. So you cannot fake to them. I'm preaching to myself as well because my family is listening. I brought my family for that reason. But yeah, there are so many things that we, together, we need to improve in our life. Let's continue. You know, another thing that related to, to this subject is that I hear a lot of this complaint in families that are having problems. Is that, man, my, my, my dad never says sorry. Never. He's just stubborn as a rock. I never heard from him, forgive me. 
unless we are perfect, that word is out of our list of words, right? But we are not. So we should use it. We should make use of that word. Because we made mistakes. How healing is that word when we use it in the proper context? When we offend or offended our family? This cannot be, brothers, that as parents we don't, we don't use that word. Yes, fathers need to be fathers. Fathers are not primarily friends. That is a lie. We are not primarily friends of our children. No, we are their parents. And we have, we have authority given by God over them to instruct them in the words of God, in the ways of the Lord. Friendship comes later. So I hope that you might understand that fatherhood is not, oh, I'm going to treat them as I please. You are not a tyrant of the family. But your children might see in you an obedient servant, an obedient elder. Then what else comes? A husband of one wife. Now we can skip this part, right, and go to... That doesn't make any sense in a family. No, it is very important. It is a good parallel, too. So, so our kids cannot see that we are playing around. That we are... Our kids needs to see that we are committed. Committed to our spouses. Solid households. Those kids are going to, by the grace of God, come out solid Christians as well. That is our goal. You know, if I have one desire... If I not convert, well, I cannot do it. But through me, if God cannot convert anybody, I just pray the Lord that my family, at least my children, may, though, may know the Lord through me. And I, I was, last Sunday, our pastor in Conway was, was saying, we desire... Our kids to know the Lord. We want to put the scriptures like through their ears. We, we want to do many things. We, we want to do the impossible just for the sake of them to be with the Lord. For them to know the Lord. 
Is not that your desire? Or are you desiring for your children to be prosperous, rich, famous, to bring honor to your family? Or your desire are to please the Lord and they might be useful, I don't know, as a missionaries, as pastors, or having sound biblical families. Please keep that in mind. Don't forget the goals that we have as Christians. But husband of one wife, here I have uh, uh, John MacArthur's commentary on that particular text, and I, I think it brings a lot of light too. This says nothing is not. It doesn't say anything about marriage or divorce. This issue is not the elder's marital status. Remember, this text is talking about the qualifications for an elder, right? It's not talking about marital status, but his moral sexual purity. That is very important for a household, too. That is very, very important. Because, you know, our children see, they notice when we are in different when our when our eyes are in a different place maybe don't understand or our spouses do and i'm preaching this to myself as well we need to be very careful This qualification heads the list because it is in this area that leaders are more prone to fail. Various interpretations of these qualifications have been offered. Some see it as a prohibition against polygamy, an unnecessary injunction since polygamy was not common in Roman society, and clearly forbidden by the scriptures. So, when, when we see, oh, uh, we are prone to interpret this text as husband of one wife, okay, no polygamy. No, he's saying, it's a husband that is committed to his wife. But we cannot imagine that, oh, because this is a qualification for, a, for an elder, I'm not an elder, <laughs> I'm not, need to, to do this. Is that right? Obviously not. Obviously not. Then a series of words, a series of qualifications that I want to just uh, point out two of them. And depends on what version of the Bible you have, they, they vary. And I have 
sober-minded. In my version, I have sensible. Some of you have a different, a different word for that. What is another version? Sober-minded. After sober-minded, we have another version. We have temperate. And the next one as well. In my version, I like that. That's why I picked this one. Because sensible. It says sensible. Self-control. Respectable. Hospitable. Able to teach. Not addicted to wine. Not violent. Gentle. Peaceable. And from... That list, I want you to stress this word of sensible. I have it from the um, from this version. That's the Legacy Standard uh, Standard Bible, and they pick this word sensible but you can say it in many ways this is the one that most of men needs to hear the more and more we need this badly insensible we are we like to be rough right we guys, we like to go hunting. We like to uh, play sport, rough sports. We like those things. And imagine, I have four girls. I want to play, well, we, we play in, in South America, we play soccer. And, and I see here something that bothers me, really, in America. That girls pr- play more soccer than men. Or that boys. And that doesn't make any sense in my mind. Because for us, soccer is very rough. We kick each other. But for real. And I cannot see my girls just having these bruises all over their legs. And when I see playing soccer here, I understand why. Because, you know, they try to not to touch each other. Well, soccer is not like that. This soccer is a little bit more rough. <laughs> okay? So, what I'm saying is that I want to go and be rough. But we need to be sensible. We need to listen. I need to... I learned with my girls... That tears not necessarily means, oh, I bumped my head. But it means that I have deep emotions. <laughs> and you are not understanding. You are not listening to me. I learned that those tears mean that. <laughs> In a hard way, because it seems like a, a different language to me. How can you cry for that? my question really that was nothing hey 
you don't need to understand it. You need to just listen, right? It's something that I preach to myself as well because I fail. I, I, I'm stubborn. If that is one of the sins that I come back and back and back, it's that one. And I praise the Lord for my wife and because she's patient enough. So sensible. You know, but sensible is not a word also that communicates that you are a, a feminine man. Sensible is not like, oh, you are with girls and they cry each other to hug. You know, they, they like to hug. And we like to punch. They like to hug. But sensible does not mean that you need to be an effeminate man. That remember, no? meekness is not weakness. Right? So, I'm going to dare to bring this uh, quote. Uh, usually I don't like to bring uh, quotes from outside of the Christian realm. But this man is bringing a principle that is a biblical principle. And his name is Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you heard about him. He's a professor in psychology something that I'm not very uh, fond of it. But he's, he throws some truth every now and then in media. He said this, A harmless man is not a good man. The good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. What is that? You are capable of anything to protect your family. Nobody mess with your family. That kind of man you need to be. Same thing with... I don't need to say much about this to wives. Because when somebody mess with their children, you will find mama bear. Right? So I'm saying this to, to husbands because most of the time we coward. Or we chicken out, right? No, I'm not going to do that. Or it's, sometimes, uh, even though it's funny, uh, society makes parody of that. That is the wife that put her body in front of his, her family. Instead of being the man, you shoot me first, not my family. But we need to be capable of, of this. Who was, a, who was a, a weak man in the Bible? I'll give you one name. Moses, right? What the Bible said about Moses. 
Do you remember? The Bible describes Moses as a very meek. If you want to remember that, where is that? It's in Numbers 12, 3. Nobody on earth was as meek as he was. But do you remember what happened when he came down from Mount, from the Mount after meeting with God? He saw that the people did a golden calf. And what he did? He was mad, right? Just pleading with God minutes before, saying, No, don't destroy this this these people. The Egyptians are gonna make mockery of your name if you destroy them. But when he came down he found that this people is in idolatry and he break the law. Not breaking the law, but the tablets, right? And he said, You pick the sword and kill your brother. And we, wow, that is too much. It's because we don't understand holiness in many ways. He was seeing the back of the Lord. He just saw the back of the Lord and that seal force him to say that. And this is a meek person according to the Bible. What is the ultimate example of a meek person? Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ can destroy us with a snap of his fingers. He's God. He's our creator. But not. He came down. He stooped low. Humbled himself. Went to a cross. Died for our sins. He didn't open up his mouth to defend himself. And he was nailed on that cross. He is capable of... He has all the power in heavens as on earth. But he humbled himself. Isn't that wonderful? Let me continue. And this is the last part of my notes here able to teach this is a requirement for an elder and if the elder is not able to teach very difficult that the Lord might call you to that position right if you are not able to teach well, 
I think um, your calling is in a different direction. But as parents, we don't have an option. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn the scriptures. We need to devour this book. This book is our lives. We need to bring answers because our kids are going to, sooner or later, they are going to ask us difficult questions. And we need to have answers or they are going to look elsewhere. And able to teach means that you are able to communicate the, the Word of God in an understandable way. You might struggle with that. But for us parents, it's not an option. We need to develop that too. That is skill for, for some people, it requires a lot of prayer and aid of the Holy Spirit. But for others, that is, it, it becomes easier to talk and to bring examples and to teach their kids also needs the aid of the Holy Spirit. Because if you do it in your own flesh, what are you doing? Or what are you being is a hypocrite. Oh, I know how to do this. I know how to say nice words. And my kids seems like, like uh, they are understanding. But you are not in prayer. You are not seeking to know Jesus as well. So that is a problem. So one, in one side we have people that is, is very difficult to teach. And it's very difficult to put two words together and teach that to your children. And in the other side, we have people that is very easy and they talk a lot and say, please, don't say more because he already said a lot. One, or I would say both of them, needs the aid of the Holy Spirit. Without a Holy Spirit, it's just empty words. Empty words. Then we go and say, lead his house, household well. So this is pretty much straightforward. Apostle Paul is, is talking about discipline, the discipline of the children. It's not a guarantee that our children are going to become Christians because we teach them all God's counsel. But we need to display that also with the example. And that's what makes it difficult. Well, the Christian life is not a long wolf religion. Let's put it that way. We cannot make this walk alone. We need brothers and sisters. 
And that's why we have a church, a body of believers that help us, that holds us accountable. They see how we, you know, we take care of our kids. We give each other tips, experience. That is very important. I, I really pity the, the people that said, oh, no, I, I don't go to church because I don't need it. Really? You don't need a church? How can you make it? How can you be a Christian? It is impossible. Impossible. How you overcome your sins without other fellow believers that are encouraging you, that are pointing you to Christ. Have you read the Pilgrim Progress? What it would be Christian without faithful? Faithful, as his name says, is faithful friend and both together walking towards heaven. Don't disregard this important thing being a church. Finally, I want to conclude. We can see in this text as the standard. Said at the beginning. The standard, not just for pastors, but we see parallels into a household. The parents need to fulfill this as well. It's not just for the elders and for the deacons that needs to be submitted to this. It's our desire for every mature Christian to be already in this list of qualifications. So it would be easier for a pastor to say, Hey, brother, we need a deacon. Would you? Or I need to train more elders. Would you, brother? We need to be that kind of Christian. Be ready. Mature. Well, these brothers, as an application, this encourages us to press forward, to strive for more conformity to our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to, now that you go home and say, oh, this is so difficult. Oh, no, the standard is so high now, and I need to, to do it. Be encouraged that the Lord provide for you the means of grace for you to fulfill His great commission. He didn't just leave you alone. Hey, try to figure it out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word.
for your exhortation, for the kindness as well of leaving all this commandment to us. Not as a heavy burden, but Lord, a desirable, a desirable thing. Father, we pray that you, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you might conform us more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.